So we're in the Easter season. This is, um, today is known as Palm Sunday in the church history. It's a day that uh, they recognized and celebrated as Jesus came into Jerusalem. We're going to talk a little about that today. My heart is to help you guys kind of walk away just challenged um, to maybe take a step uh, towards what God has for your life. The church is a year and a half old, so we're a new church, the Grove. It's been an exciting journey. Uh, I remember when, when, when uh, I met some pastors, they were talking about church planning. They were kind of training us and teaching us. They said, it's like a roller coaster, so just be prepared to hang on. Um, there's a lot of ups and downs. It's just, it's just a crazy ride. But they said it's one of the funnest rides you'll ever, ever, ever know. So there's, there's been some um, just exciting, exciting, exciting things that have happened since we started the Grove. Um, and there's also been challenges. There's things that come along uh, that, that just challenge us. In fact, one of the questions I get all the time that people learn that you start a church, like, hey, what is it, you know, what have, what, have, what have you learned since you started the church? And I said, well, it's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. But it's so much more fulfilling than I thought it was going to be. Like, it's amazing to see people take a step in the direction towards Christ and learning that he has a better plan for their life and to see families healed and, and people um, freed from addictions and people healed and, and physical bodies. It's, just, it's, it's amazing to see that. And so it's so much more fulfilling than I ever thought it would be. And they say, well, what, what is the biggest challenge? And I, I'd say, you know, the biggest challenge that I found is myself. Um, in the middle of all this, it's managing my expectations, it's managing my emotions, it's managing what I feel and what, what, what I think is going on. Because sometimes, you know, we, we, our reality is not always what's real, right? You with me? How many of you guys watch reality TV? How many of you guys believe reality TV is real? Anybody? Still? Like when it first came out, like this is reality TV. Everybody's like, this is awesome. It's like real life. And then you start learning like, no, it's not really like real life. Like nobody goes on those vacations and dates somebody, you know, 100 guys or 100 girls in, in the, the most wonderful places. It's not real. It's, it's a setup. It's, you know, it's, it's not what we're going to experience in life. But we think what we see is reality and what we face is, 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 is like that. Being, being a pastor of the church has been exciting. There's a lot of things that have happened. Well, I don't know about you. Um, I, I like control. You know, I don't, I don't like to be out of control. Some of you, I think we could buy a label you control freaks, right? Like you, you want it done a specific way, and, and, and if you don't, you freak out. Well, I don't know if you've ever, ever experienced this. This past couple of weeks, I said yes to too many things. So I overcommitted myself. I overscheduled myself, which means I was a little overwhelmed, a little bit of stress. Um, I got a cold because of it. I wasn't sleeping enough, and I got some, some stuff in my lungs. And uh, my kids got sick. That wasn't my fault. They just got sick and uh, kept, some, kept me up at night. And uh, just all these things happened. And it's like one of those like, you know, busy seasons. We moved into a larger theater, a lot of exciting things happening. And in the middle of it, just, it just got really crazy. My schedule got really crazy. I mean, really busy. I don't know if you can relate to this, but sometimes when you're in the middle of that, um, sometimes you're trying to manage your emotions, trying to manage your time, trying to manage everything you're feeling. It can be really overwhelming. You know, some of you, if you, you might relate to this, you know, maybe you have some finals, you have uh, some books you have to read for school, or you have a project coming up for work, you have deadlines, and you have this pressure that sometimes just sits on you, the stress that comes along. And in the middle of it, it can feel like a roller coaster. It can feel um, like you can't, you can't, you know, stand up under it. Maybe some of you are the people that when you get to that place, you just cry, you know, like you, you just break down. I'm not talking about like crying like in a ball, you know, like in a fetal position where you, you know, you shut down, although some people might respond like that. Um, or or maybe, maybe you respond by getting angry and you, you sp- some of that spills out, your frustration, your anger comes out. Or maybe you respond to stress and all that by just shutting down and not saying anything, which freaks people out because they're like, did I do something? What's going on? How can I help? I don't know what to say, what to do. So I don't know how you handle this, but I don't know if you've ever experienced this, where you just have a lot of pressure and a lot of weight, and uh, you just you ask the question, can I make it through all this? Can I get through all this? What's, what, what is this going to be about? What I love about um, 
the Bible is it, it gives us all of these solutions to help us through these things that we face on a daily basis or on a weekly basis. Um, part of my schedule is my fault because I overcommitted and overscheduled. And so being overwhelmed, I could, part of it I could blame myself. Other things, you know, just things, life happens. Things come up. Kids get sick. They wake up in the middle of the night. They keep you up through the night, things like that. You just can't, you can't plan for those. You can't control those things. And in the middle of it, um, you know, we ask the questions like, what, what, I need help here. What can I, what can I do that will be able to help me? Well, today I hope that when we walk out these doors, we'll have some tools to be able to say, you know, in the middle of those feelings, in the middle of life when it gets crazy, I want, I want to be able to have a tools to be able to help me to get through it, to be able to calm down, to breathe, to relax, to just trust God has things in control, and to be able to follow with him. So I was, I was kind of reading through, and today, as, as we celebrate Palm Sunday, a very significant day um, for, for us as Christians. Um, it's leading up to Easter. Like I said, Easter, is, it's a huge day for us. We celebrate, we celebrate Easter. Uh, the better, maybe a better term for that would be Resurrection Sunday. It's the day Jesus is no longer in the grave because he lives again. And that's next week. We'll celebrate that. Uh, but this is leading up to it. And this is the last week of Jesus' life. So Jesus came as a little baby. We celebrate that in Christmas. Uh, he grew up. Um, there's very little said about him as a kid, kind of just he was learning and he, he, he kind of had an idea that he, um, that he, God had a plan for his life and he began this process. And then at age 30, he starts his ministry. He starts to, to, to teach. And he's recognized as a rabbi, uh, which is a very significant role as a teacher. And he gets some disciples. Um, and for three years, he lives life with these guys and he takes them around. And he, he, he walks. Well, the last week of his life, known as the Passion Week, this is what kicks it off. Um, Palm Sunday kicks it off, and, and they come in. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to read this for you. This is, the, this is the passage in Matthew 21 where it talks about what took place on this day. And that probably actually was probably on a Wednesday, not on a Sunday. But church history kind of shifted to Sunday. We celebrate on a Sunday. So Palms, um, as they, this is Matthew 21. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, this is 2,000 years ago, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her, untie them and bring them back to me. So this 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 part of the of the of the, of the gospel of Matthew, it's titled as Jesus comes to Jerusalem as a king, or the triumphal entry, the victorious entry. And so he tells his disciples, "All right, I want you to go to this man. He's going to find a donkey. It's a setup. You know, he kind of got. I don't know if um, God spoke to this man, or I don't know if Jesus set this up ahead of time. Whatever it was, he said, go to this man. There's going to be um, a donkey there with a colt. And so they approach Jerusalem." Um, if anyone says anything to you, they ask, like, why are you taking these donkeys and this colt? Um, say that the Lord needs them, he will, and he'll send them right away. And this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet, the prophet Zechariah is who they're talking about. He says, say to, say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, or humble, riding on a donkey on a colt, the fall of a donkey. Um, in in, in Zechariah 9.9 is where they're quoting uh, this, this passage is about a, a king that's going to come to rescue the people of Israel. And so Zechariah the prophet, he's, he's, he's saying one day there's going to be this, this king. He's going to ride in on a colt, on a donkey, and he's going to rescue the people of Israel. He'll be our king, our messiah, our savior. So that's a big deal, right? Um, so when this starts to unfold, um, the religious people begin to recognize it and say, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? This is kind of crazy. Uh, we don't really believe Jesus is the Messiah. We don't. We just believe he's a man that was born in Gethsemane, and, um, and and they had a different expectation for Jesus. And so it says that they get they find the disciples went and did this as Jesus instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. 
These would be palm branches um, that they were spreading out. That's why it's called Palm Sunday. They celebrated with palm branches, made a big deal, a big uh, celebration as Jesus was riding into Jerusalem. And so uh, they spread them out on the road all the, for, for Jesus to ride on this, this donkey across, across all these palm branches. And, and they began to celebrate. And it says, The crowds that went ahead of him and those who followed, they shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens. Hosanna just means save or save now. Kind of this idea like, please save us, rescue us. Um, and there's a good reason for that. Uh, the people of Israel were oppressed by the Roman government. Uh, so 90, 95% of them didn't know where their um, next piece of uh, bread or their meal was going to come from. So it was a, they, were, they were living in a dark time where they were oppressed by another country. And so you can see why they're, they're waiting for this king, this Messiah to come. And all the while, they, they kept thinking this Messiah was going to be a political person. This person is going to, is, is going to come as a king and set up his government here or there in, in Jerusalem and, and begin to you know, kick out the Romans and, and, and let them have freedom and reign. Um, and that's what they were thinking in their minds. Their expectation was a little different than the way Jesus showed up, the way God came as a little baby. They didn't expect that. They didn't, they didn't expect the suffering Messiah. They wanted the, the, the strong rule and reign of Christ, which is going to come the second time he comes back. It'll be a strong rule and reign. But the first time he came humble with humility, um, and it says that he came in and they began to celebrate this. And uh, they would say, save, save us, son David, um, or Messiah, blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, they're quoting a Psalms 118, which is, a, which is a, um, a prophecy about the Messiah also coming. See, throughout Jesus' life, all the things he was doing were fulfilling prophecies that all the scriptures wrote about. Like they said, the Messiah is going to come, he's going to come to rescue, and this is what's going to happen, this is what's going to take place. And they began to write about this. And so as Jesus is doing this, he's fulfilling prophecies. In fact, uh, the people, when they hear it, um, it says the religious leaders got so mad at Jesus. He says, you're making the people blaspheme by calling you Messiah, by calling you king. Uh, And they got mad and they wanted to shut him down. Well, in Matthew, in this account, in the Gospel of Matthew, um, he's, he's telling the stories. He's recounting the, the life of Jesus, and he starts this last week of, of Jesus. Well, if we look at the last week of Jesus, he's, he knows he's going to die. In fact, um, in, Psalms 20, in, in Matthew 20, chapter 20, he predicts his, his death for the third time. Uh, so I don't predict the best way, but he's telling people, hey, this is going to happen. Um, and this is the third time he tells his disciples, I'm going to go and I'm going to die at the, at the hands of the Romans. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die... Uh, a death that's going to bring about peace and salvation for everybody. And he's, pre- he's predicting his death in, 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 chapter tw- in chapter 20 of Matthew. 21, we see the, the triumphant entry, the celebration, the people are going crazy for this king. They're, they're declaring him king. And this is the only time that Jesus allows them to recognize him as king and declare him as king. And for a good reason, because as soon as they do that, all the religious people want to kill him. And in fact, they begin to plot his life, you'll see in a couple chapters. And so he comes in, and it's a great celebration. It's a big deal. And they recognize him as king. He's allowing this to say, hey, I'm fulfilling the prophecies. This is what's been said about me. This is what's going to take place. This is going to happen. And I don't know about you. If you're looking for um, somebody to follow, I would follow the guy that tells you what's going to happen multiple times over and over. And then it happens exactly the way he does, which we'll talk about next week a little bit. He tells him, I'm going to die. I'm going to die on this cross. But don't worry. I'm not going to stay dead. I'm going to come back to life. I'm, I'm going to conquer the grave. I'm going to conquer death. And, and because of that, we can live. And so he, he tells them all these things are going to take place. Throughout Scripture, the Bible's telling us over and over, these are th- how things are going to unfold. Pay attention. Be aware. So 
Um, I would follow that guy if you're just looking for somebody to follow. And so Jesus, he tells him, he goes to this it's the roller coaster. You know, it's up. He's kind of, um, it's exciting time. And in, in, in chapter 22 through 25 of Matthew, he's challenged by the religious leaders over and over and over. Like they don't stop and he, he does some teachings and, and they come ask questions and they're trying to prove that he's not God, he's not Messiah. And, and they're just frustrated, they're mad. Well, he doesn't back down. So the next step for them is, well, we got to figure out how to get rid of this guy. So in chapter 26, they plot against his life. They figure out a way to, 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 to take him out. And then we, we see the Last Supper. Um, this is right before uh, he, he gets crucified. He has a last meal with his disciples. In this meal, he tells them, somebody in our group here is going to betray me. So exciting. Now he's saying, I'm going to be betrayed by one of these people I poured into for years. And it's one of you guys. And all the disciples are like, who, me? And they're trying to figure it out. Um, in the middle of Last Supper, he, he predicts you know, that somebody's going to betray him. And Peter says, I'll never betray you. I'm going to stick with you all the way to the end. And he says, Peter, you're going to die me three times before even the morning comes up, like before the sun comes up. He's like, and he predicts Peter's denial, which takes place exactly like he said. And then he goes into this inti- intense time of praying. It says that it was so intense that he was, he was praying, he began to sweat uh, drops of blood. And, and he, it was just intense. He was, he was facing, he knew what was, co- was ahead of him in just a few hours. And he was, he was praying. And, and then he's betrayed, he's arrested, and he's abandoned. Let's read that. And, and, and in Matthew 26, um, this is where they go to pray. And it says this, while he was still speaking, he's talking to his disciples about praying. Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. This is Matthew 26, starting at verse 47. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him. He tells them, going at once to Jesus, Judas said, greeting, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the, of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Uh, so we, we, another, another gospel that actually names the person, this is Peter. Right? So Peter zealous, he's, 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 he wants the kingdom of God to come now. And he's thinking this king is going to be a political king. He's going to be a king that's going to, re- like a physical king that's going to take over and, and kick out Rome. And so he wants to kick this off and he pulls out a sword. And he says he cuts off the ear of, of one of the, the high priest's uh, servants. Um, at this point, Jesus says, all right, calm down, Peter, calm down. Like, we don't have, you know, and this is what he says. He says, put away your, put your sword away. Put it back in its place. Um, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you not, do you think that, that I cannot call on my father and he will at once at my disposal, um, put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? So this is a big number, right? He says 12 legions of angels. Um, this would be 72,000 angels. So he's saying, Peter, wait, wait, calm down. We have more power behind us than you realize. Like, like I'm, they're not taking my life. They're not, they're not, they're not just like in control here. I'm, I'm laying my life down. I'm surrendering. I'm, I'm going to, 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 this, to this cross because it's part of God's plan. And he says, don't you understand? I could call on these angels. So 72,000 angels. There's a story in the Old Testament. One angel, he kills um, 185,000 men. So one angel took out tons of men, 100,000, 185, almost, almost 200,000 men, right? So you can imagine what 72,000 angels could do, right? And so you get the picture. There's a lot of power there. He's saying, Peter, there's... At my disposal, if I wanted, I could call and God would send all this. But I'm not going to do it. He was so aware of what he was trying to accomplish and needing to accomplish that he was able to say, no, no, don't let this one, this one moment, this one thing that you're facing that's difficult get the best of you. Don't, don't make a choice because of what you're facing now. There's a bigger story going on. There's a bigger picture. Something more is going on. 
In other words, he's saying, don't you realize the love that the Father has for us? That he's, he's sending me to give my life to be able to help people have, find freedom. So he goes on and says, but this, but this is how it has to happen so scriptures could be fulfilled. They must happen this way. In that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, am I leading a rebellion? He's talking to these guys that came out to arrest him. You've come out with swords and clubs to capture me. Uh, every day I sat in the temples and the courts, but you did not arrest me then. But this, is, this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets must be fulfilled. So he's pointing back to the prophets. God is giving us these pictures saying, hey, things are going to unfold a specific way. Pay attention, because when they do, it's a sign that this is God's plan unfolding. He says, but this is all taking place. And then, then the disciples deserted him, deserted him and left. So all his disciples, they leave him all alone. They abandon him. They, 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 they leave, and he's left all alone. Can you see the roller coaster? Can you see, uh, imagine the, the expectations and the emotions that he's trying to manage in the middle of that. Can you see the expectations of everybody else that are putting on Jesus saying, you have to be this way, you, have, you should do it this way because you don't do it this way. You know, I'm going to fight against it because you're not this or not that. And he's trying to manage all these this the last week of his life, all this pressure. How does he handle it? How was Jesus able to handle all that was going on during the last week of his life? How could he stand up under this? He knows he's going to die. He, it's going to be a horrible death. It's not going to just be like a, all right, you know, it's over quickly. It's going, to, it's going to go on. And what appears to many as a tragedy is actually the greatest victory in history, which we'll talk about next week because that's Easter and it's Resurrection Sunday. And, but the disciples thought this is, the, this is a tragedy. And one of the reasons they didn't believe he was God and Messiah and the next king, the king that was going to come, is because he was a suffering. He was suffering for, for us. He, he, he willingly laid his life down and died. They didn't expect that. They thought our king's going to come. He's going to come with a strong hand. He's going to rule. He's going to reign. And there's going to be peace as part of his government. And there is a prophecy that talks about that. But that wasn't his first coming. That's his second coming. And he will come back to rule and reign in that manner. But this first one, he's saying, I'm going to give as many people a chance first to get on the the right side and the right team to be part of my kingdom. So I'm going to come with humility. So how is he able to handle all this that was going on? I think this would help us in life if we begin to look at his life and say, in the middle of all of this, when we have crazy weeks, when we have crazy days, when we have a lot going on, when we're trying to control things and we're trying to manage expectations, whether our own or others, and people are our boss or our spouse or our kids, and they're expecting something that maybe we can't fulfill or it's just a lot for us, how, do, how can we manage this? How was Jesus able to, to manage all of this to the last week of his life? I think if we look back a few verses before um, where they arrest him it says that he went to this place called gethsemane to pray this is starting in matthew 26 starting in verse 36 and he said to them the disciples sit here while i go over there and pray and he took peter and the two sons of zebedee along with him and he began to to be sorrowful and troubled so before he gets arrested he's aware of what's about to take place he begins to be sorrowful and troubled it's natural emotions that we face when we're we're facing something difficult he says, and he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. He's crying out to God saying, all right, I know what's about to come. And if it's possible, can you please take this cup from me? Like, this is going to be really difficult. But it doesn't stop there. He says, yet not as I will, but as you will. In other words, he's saying, but let your will be done, not mine. And it says that he did this three times. He went and prayed and began to prepare himself for what was going to take place. He says, God, 
Man, not, not my will, your will be done. I want to accomplish the purposes you have, not just the things that I want to do. I think this is the answer that, uh, that we find why Jesus was able to manage all this and go through all this. Because he knew who he was in Christ. He knew, he knew that what was taking place was not the end of the story. I think sometimes when we get, we get in challenging situations, when we go through difficulties, all we see is that difficult and we think that is the end of the story. Like it's over. But it's not. It's just a part of the story. And when we face one difficulty, when we let that stop us, really it just shows that we, there wasn't much of us to begin with. But when we can push through, it helps us to become stronger. We see the bigger picture. We're able to say, you know, this is just part of the story. Peter, this is just part of the story. And we have these seasons of life when we're going ups and, ups and downs and we have challenges and we have in the middle of it. Man, it might be in a downtime, but it's just a part of the story. It's going to get better. Hold on. Don't give up. There's something better coming along the way. And in this, Jesus is trying to manage, trying to show us how to surrender, how to let go. In fact, in the prayer he teaches the disciples, he's saying, your kingdom come and your will be done. He's, he's asking God to use, use his life, to use our lives to accomplish something bigger than ourselves. God is looking for people who will live open-handed. He told Abraham, Abraham, I want to bless you so you can bless all the nations of the world. And part of the, part of the promise was this. I'm going to bless you so you can bless others. I'm going to trust you with all these blessings so you can let them go through. What was he saying? Abraham, I'm going to give you stuff in your hands, but you can't grab them and hold on to them like thinking they're just for you. You can enjoy them. You can use them. But you have to be a good steward of this. But the reason I'm giving you these things is so you can pass them on to others. God is looking for people who will live open-handed. Think about posture for a little bit. You ever talk to somebody and they're like this? Or, or like this? You know, like, man, I'm going to really show you. I'm not going to, I'm closed down. Whatever you're saying, I don't want to listen to it. Or have you ever talked to somebody like this? <laughs> you're like, uh, I know it's coming next. Right? When somebody's talking, you know, they, they, when you get mad, um, fists get clenched. You know, maybe the, 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 the mouth, the jaw gets tight. That's saying something about how you're receiving something. Think about life. How many of us maybe grab on to things in life, and this would be where it comes from, maybe some of us control freaks, right? We want to control everything, so we grab on with clenched fists, and we're holding on to these things, whether it's a person or a thing or, or whatever it is, a, a responsibility, and we hold on to these things like they're ours, and it's up to us to get these things done. And yes, we're supposed to be good stewards of what God gives us, and we're supposed to work hard, but there's a part of life where we can't control everything. And when we do, we end up being really disappointed because when it doesn't go our way, we can't control everything. We, 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 we fall, we fail. And God is saying, instead of holding on like this, see, Peter's saying, I want it done my way. Let's start this rebellion. Let's cut off the ear. Let's kill some people so we can become, set up our, our, our government. And a lot of the people of Israel were expecting the same thing. In fact, the people that yelled just a few days, save us, you know, king, you're awesome are the same people that begin to yell, kill him, crucify him. Why? Because they're trying to control everything. They wanted it their way, not God's way. How many times do we do this in life where we, we want to make God in our image? We want to make God do the things we want him to do for us. And when he doesn't, we get upset because he's doing something different. And it's like, but no, no. <laughs> Don't you know I'm God? Like, I'm in charge here? And he's like, no, you're not. That's why it's not working. Because if you were God, it'd be a whole lot, the world would be a big mess. You're not. And what he's saying is, I'm looking for people who be open-handed. 
I'm looking for people who will say, whatever you want to do in my life, do it. You know, we don't have palm branches here in, in Santa Fe. You know, I don't, even if we did, I don't think I'd bring them in and wave them. Um, but, but they were doing that. People visit, but we do have palms. You know, we have two of them on our, on our body. I'm going to read one more scripture and we'll talk about our palms. Philippians 1, 20 through 24. Paul, the Apostle Paul is in prison. Um, he's been in prison because he's a Christian, because he's, he's telling people about the, the message that Jesus died on the cross and raised from the grave. He's in prison. And in prison, he writes his happiest letter. His happiest letter that he wrote was in prison, which is interesting, which says, says a lot about this man understanding his perspective, understanding the bigger picture about life. And he says this, I eagerly expect and hope that I will no, in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. He's saying it doesn't matter if I die or if I live, like God's going to be exalted in my life. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He's referring to one of Jesus' teachings. As Jesus says, and Matthew says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. Clinch fest here. This is my life. I'm holding on to it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. He's, He's quoting Jesus here. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He goes on to say this, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart. Like he knows the end of his life is getting closer. And he knows that one day he's going he's gonna to die and he's going to go to heaven. And he's saying, I desire to, to go away, to, to die and be with Christ, which is better by far. It's going to be way better than this. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. What is he saying? He's saying, God, I'm here. I'm content with whatever you do. If you take me, I'm good. If you keep me here for a while longer, I'm good. He's open-handed with God, saying, whatever you send my way, I'm good. Psalms 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. This is one of those moments where God is telling us, would you just calm down? Would you breathe? Would you trust that I have, I have a plan and if you partner with me, things will go a lot better. If you stop clenching your fists and trying to force everything and just give it to me and, re- and rely on me, and I'll help you out. Because when we do this, we make a lot of choices that aren't usually healthy and really good because we're doing it out of what we think is best. But when we do this, we're saying, God, would you help me with this? A while back, I, I heard um, this practice that, that is during prayer. It's a, it's a uh, a physical way to engage in prayer, all right? It's called this, palms down and palms up. Here's the idea. Would everybody do this with me? Would you just put your palms down? Would you just sit down, whatever? Uh, in fact, lawyers will teach their, their clients when they're on the stand and they're getting cross-examined by the other, other lawyer. They'll say when you're on the stand, you know, just put your hands on top of your legs like this, palms up, sorry, palms up, because you'll be more open to, the, um, to what the, the, the lawyer is asking you. Because we have a tendency when we're, getting cross-examined or whatever, to to do do this or to do this, right? But what that does is it begins to close us down, and we begin to hear things the way we want to hear things, not maybe what's coming out of their mouth. Or we do this, or under the the table, we're we're clinched. When I watch them, there was just a fight, UFC the other night. When I watch the fights, I'm like this, like so intense, like going crazy. And like my, I sweat. It's really funny, like sweat marks on my body because I get so intense watching these, these fights. Um, why? Because I'm closed and I'm like, oh, I, want, I, I need to fight somebody or something. Anyways, <laughs> you get the picture. But we go through life like this. And we go through life like this. 
And we're closed to people, we're closed to God, we're closed to things. And then we wonder why we're so frustrated. And we hear things wrong because when we do this, we don't hear correctly. We're not open. And so lawyers will tell them, hey, keep your palms up because you're going to be more open to what they're saying. When they'll be, it'll be harder for them to get you angry and mad to say something you don't want to say because you're, you're actually relaxed and you're open. And so this, this form of prayer, and it's a physical way, it's you're saying palms down. What you're saying is, all right, God, today I have a lot on my plate. Man, my wife wants me to do all this stuff, and we're fighting. My kids, you know, I have all this schedule, whatever it is. My boss has this stuff for me, and, and we have all this stuff given to us. And sometimes it's kind of like, how can I get all this stuff done? And God is saying, I'll help you. Would you let me help you? And palms down is like this, saying, all right, God, you know all the stuff I have to get done. You know all the bills I have to pay. You know the things that are ahead of me. I'm going to release those, and I'm going to, I'm going to let go. It's called surrender. I'm going to let go. I'm going to trust you. And then as soon as we can let go of those things and say, all right, God, you, you know everything that's come my way. Now I invite you, palms up. Would you speak? Would you fill me with the things I need to have? Would you give me the gifts I need to have? Would you, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit to accomplish what you want me to accomplish today? Would you help me on this journey? And palms up. Really, really simple way just to say, all right, God, I'm releasing and I'm, I'm coming to you. This is what the Lord's Prayer is about. It's about us surrendering, saying, all right, God, it's about your kingdom. It's about the way you want to do things, your power, and you'll get all the glory through it. Because when we live life like this, God gets all the glory. Because he gives us the things, and we pass it on. When we live life like this, we get all the blame, and in some cases maybe the glory if we're strong enough to beat up enough people. But when we live life like this, and we begin to release, and say, God, my palms are up, I'm ready. I'm ready for you. Psalms 37, 7 says this. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. I would encourage you, whenever you are um, facing challenges in life, when you're going through difficulties, when, when you have a lot of things happening in your mind, um, I, w- I would encourage you to read, read chapter, this, chapter 37 of the Psalms. Um, and, and in this Psalms, David is facing... Um, He's facing all the, all the pressures of, of everything that's coming in life. Some people trying to kill him, uh, him trying to lead a country um, as king, um, all, all the things that come on with his family and his family. In the middle of it, he, he's crying out to God saying, all right, you're my fortress, you're my refuge. My enemies are coming after me, but I'm going to wait for you. I'm going I'm to trust in you. And it's a heart of, of somebody who's saying, all right, I'm overwhelmed, but I'm going to do this today. I'm going to release it. And I know you have a better plan for my life. And today I'm going to be open to whatever you have for me. So would you do me a favor? Would you, would you put your palms down? Maybe even if you're at this place today and you have a lot going on or you've been holding on to something, you're mad at God, you're angry for something to happen, and you've been going through life like this, and you haven't let go, and I pray this week or today that you'd be able to say, God, I, I want to let go of this stuff. Because the truth is you're not holding on to it. It's holding on to you. And as long as you hold on to the past, you will not be able to go into the future free. He'll drag it with you. And so we bring stuff to God and we're able to say, all right, God, I'm going to release all of this. Maybe you're here today and you have a family member who's going off in a direction that you don't like and you're, you're trying to figure it all out. Would you just say, God, I, I release them to you. Help them. Palms down. In the middle of what I face, I'm going to trust you. I release. I surrender. 
in, in, our, in church. You know, we sing songs. You might see people lift their hands. It's the same thing. We're just releasing. It's, 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 a, it's a form of surrender. It's a way of saying, God, I'm, I can't do it without you. I surrender. You know, a guy comes from behind you, puts a gun in your back, hands up, right? Like, I'm not going to fight this. I surrender. In worship, we're saying, God, we surrender. Our palms down is saying, we surrender. We're open. And then as soon as we're able to say, God, help us through this, turn your palms up and say, God, I receive whatever you have for me this week, whatever you have for me this day. This is my challenge for you this week, that you would live life open-handed. This week, every single day, what would this, what would this week look like? If every single day you said, all right, God, whatever you want to put in my hands this week, I'll trust you. Whatever I go through this week, I'll trust you. I don't understand things and the expectations of others are weighing down on me. I'll trust you. When my own expectations aren't met and I'm frustrated, I'll trust you. What would happen in those days when instead of being like this, trying to have your way, you would be calm and say, I'm going to just wait before God. I'm going to be open-handed. I'll trust you. Can I tell you what would happen? God would give you more things to hold on to because he can trust you because you're not holding on like this. That comes in healthier relationships. That might be in finances. It might be in promotions. It might be in a lot of different things. But if he can trust you like this and know that you're not going to grab those things and say it's all about me, he'll give you more. More peace. More joy. But as long as you're like this, you're closed to everything he has to you because it's all about you. This is saying, God, it's about you you not me the passion week the ups and downs imagine all the expectations of all the people that surround jesus saying you should be like this you should do it this way you should do it this way his own expectations his own emotions and in all of it he's saying god i let go of those things though it's not important peter calm down god i don't necessarily like this right now but i surrender and i want your will to be done And he had clarity of mind and thought and understood this is just a part of the story, not the whole thing. This last week, as it was difficult and challenging, I went through different days where it was just a lot going on. I understood that even though it was a difficult time, that wasn't the end of the story. So I didn't give up hope. I didn't get frustrated and mad because I just knew it was part of the thing. Part is my fault. I made the decisions, choices. Got to live with it. Got to suck it up and just keep going. But I was able to say this, God, I, I, you know what I have to do today. You know what I have to accomplish. Help me accomplish it. And what's amazing is when we walk through life like this, we look back and say, I don't know how I accomplished all those things, but somehow God helped me to do that. Let go of the illusion of control, because that's all it is. And surrender everything to God. It's my challenge. Live life open-handed. Live life open-handed. Stop this. With God, stop this with God and with others and just say, what is it you want to do here? Jesus was able to manage all the things he had to manage the last day of his life because he was open-handed, saying, I lay it down. Paul, in the middle of prison, was able to say, whatever you want to do in my life, because he's open-handed, saying, I understand what God wants and what he has. Do me a favor, close your eyes and bow your heads today as we wrap up service. If you're here today, I know you are. We prayed for you. We've been praying for, for you for weeks. It's not an accident that you're here today. There's people in this room that have been going through life, clenched, your fists have been clenched so hard. I don't know if it's out of anger, out of resentment, out of hurt of the past. 
and, and your past is holding you back, maybe decisions you made that were foolish, that you're having to walk through the consequences. Can I tell you that today God wants you to be free? He wants you to release those things. In fact, the Bible says that when we confess our sins, we confess our past, when we, when we, we forgive and we ask God for forgiveness, he does exactly that. He forgives us. And so today, if you're here, and you know you, know you are, your, your, your fists are clenched and you're, you're stuck, and today you would say, you know what, I want help, I want to surrender. This is one of the first steps that God asks us to do, is just surrender to his lordship. They called him king for a reason because he is king of everything. And to be part of his kingdom, we have to submit to his rule and reign. It's a choice we make to say, all right, I surrender. I let go of everything I'm holding on to, and I trust you for what you have. So if you're here today, would you do me a favor and just raise your hand? Say, I need to pray. I need help. Awesome. Anybody else? holding on your fists are clenched as I lead you in this prayer um, I'm not going to have you come to the front all you raise your hand just just pray in your seat it's a personal prayer between you and God that you're you're starting you're, you're inviting him and asking him to start a relationship with you you're saying God I want to release these things so that I can live open-handed and this week, there's going to be challenges that you want to grab onto things and clench your fists and fight and try to control. And guys will say, no, no, just leave your hands open. Trust me. I want to encourage you, just live open-handed. So if you raise your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? It's a simple prayer of just saying, God, I acknowledge that I need your help. I invite you to my life today. I know you died on that cross for me. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, today I acknowledge that I can't do it on my own. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, that I've made mistakes. And today, I ask for your forgiveness. Would you help me release the past? Would you help me embrace the future? I know you died on that cross for me. And I know you're alive today to give me life. I invite you to into my life today. Be my God. Be my leader. Help me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.